0: Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit rerod.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's rerod.com forward slash A-I-V-A. Looking to take you and your real estate business to the next level? You're in the right place. Laying foundations for real estate success? This is the No Fluff, No BS podcast about real estate. For real estate agents and other industry professionals looking to up their game unfiltered short-form sales meetings, interviews with agents from every walk of life, and ramble sessions about everything real estate. Welcome to a new mindset. You are listening to Re-Raw. And now, introducing your host, James Ha. What's happening out there, Re-Raw world? Welcome to a Wednesday interview. I've got a very special guest here today, Mr. Stephen Thomas, joining me in the studio, and. Uh, well, we're kind of doing our first like little video here too, which probably looks like garbage and some of you will never see it, and that's perfectly fine. We'll decide later if we want to air that, but uh, we got Steven joining us today who has probably one of the, the broadest, most wealthy knowledge bases that uh, that we've had on the show so far. You kind of come from a, a depth of experience between uh, experience with title, with economics, with being an agent, with running a brokerage, um, having uh, reports that you send out to agents about the economy and the current state of the market. So uh, thanks for being here today.
1: Oh, for sure, my pleasure.
0: Yeah, awesome, man. Well, awesome to have you. And um, what I'm what I'm excited about is kind of getting a little bit from every single one of those categories and just exploiting your knowledge as much as possible. So. Sure. <laughs> sounds, sounds like fun. So before we jump into things, um, I like to let the audience know a little bit about the guest and give you a chance to talk about, you know, what you got going on outside of work. What's your life look like?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I am a, I am a uh, unusual uh, guy. I have uh, nine kids, and uh, that's my claim to fame. We uh, nine kids. Nine kids going from the age of twenty two down to uh, three months. So, wow. Yeah. So this
0: is like a little vacation for you.
1: Oh, always, always. (laughs) After a while, my wife will will, uh, ping me, where where are you? Because she needs help. (laughs) Unreal, unreal. Well, you put your phone on silent, right? (laughs) We'll just tell her we're recording for the rest (laughs) of the year. Absolutely. I told uh, her, it's this is an (laughs) all-nighter. Um.
0: So, what do you guys do? What do you do for fun with the family? How do you manage nine kids? That's a lot. Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's funny. I I, I did a post uh, just just recently on Facebook and and showed my kid taking out the trash and mentioned a chore chart that I did and and somebody said, "Do you pay him?" I go, nah, "Not really. Not from the chore chart. Uh, it's from good deeds and and uh, and." doing you know hanging up your backpack and being a good citizen citizen within the house and you get special points and so many fifteen points is three bucks and oh, and then know. we also have but we also have a discipline chart which is checks you get three warnings and then you get a check or if you hit pinch uh, kick or anything like that it's an automatic check that's either uh, no uh, dessert for a day or or it's, oh man yeah or no technology for a day which includes TV computers all that games everything else or it's uh, 15 minutes slave labor. So, uh, yeah, our kids will rack up about four checks, and that's an hour, and we'll make them do whatever we want. Clean the toilets. Uh, With
0: a toothbrush. With yeah, a toothbrush,
1: that. yeah, weed out in the yard, that type of thing. And if they say, oh, that sounds like fun, we'll change the punishment.
0: Oh, yeah. It's like cut your own switch, right? Yeah, they like, need
1: to, they need to learn to, to uh, not like any of it or show, at least, that they don't like it, and that's what we'll give them
0: yeah so that what they got to do is just keep going through and then pretend that their least their favorite is their least favorite yeah, and then they're exactly. good to go gotcha yeah, exactly. well they, they'll hack that system one yeah day. and then we have
1: lots of fun we go to the beach we're yeah. we've got plenty of soccer tournaments uh and and uh we'll go to parks we'll picnic we'll we there, there, there's always something that we're doing i think we went to the uh the Great Park, uh, they have a farmer's market every Sunday. So mm-hmm. we, after church, popped over there, bought a ca- case of salsa, our favorite salsa. So we have got to go back nice. about every quarter so we get a new case of salsa from this guy. So it's a, yeah. it's a lot of fun. So we're we're always doing something. It's not really dull. We're not sitting around. No, that's good. they got a good farmer's market up there at the oh, Great Park. Sure. It's uh, yeah,
0: somewhere we try to get to. Uh, but work usually gets in the way on the weekends. Exactly. What are you going to do? Well, you know, you you talk about having a big family, so I guess from a work perspective, um, I want to kind of tie that in quickly to our conversation. You've got a big juggling act, and I think everybody... Everybody for the most part talks about their bag of crap, right? Like, oh, these are my problems or these are my burdens or these are my responsibilities, and then they they leverage those into the best excuses in the world for why they're not successful, why they don't have time for something, why, you know, whatever, whether it's a a single mom with, you know, 19 different schedules or a guy with nine kids or someone like me who's married with three, but like that's my that's my thing, that's what I'm used to. So, I guess my my first question for you is is how do you guys like? How do you balance that like work-life balance? Where do you, where does one stop and the next begin, or does it all blend together? How do you protect those two spaces individually?
1: Yeah, it, it's it is a delicate balancing act, and if if I get too deep, my wife uh, is uh, Italian, German, Mexican mix, and You're she's... <laughs> <laughs> she's not afraid at all to let let me know and and critique me and and but i appreciate that because i don't want to get so deep where life flies by and i'm just working and that's all i am a workhorse sure and then of course but i do have to work i've got uh, nine kids uh, that (laughs) that need to be fed need to go to college all, all that good stuff so i there is a balance and that balance comes from Uh, I've been doing this long enough. There is not enough hours in in the day. We all have that problem. So I prioritize. I have Mm -hmm. a a day planner that my wife taught me uh, to use this this planner. The planner uh, just has, I have check boxes. And I put everything I need to do for the day, and I I prioritize what really needs to get done for the day, rather than always taking care of the low hanging fruit. Cause that's what we tend to do as human beings. We take care of that sure. low hanging fruit. I'm gonna take care of the, mo- the the things that need to be done. But then I do check out. I check out when it's 5:30 p.m. I check out for a while. That's when we're having we're having dinner. Yeah. And and uh, so we're having dinner and kids need bathed and you know there's plenty that goes on and ends up in prayers. And then after that, that's where I can go back into putting on my real estate hat and, mm-hmm. and dive right back in. And I do that often, but I'm not doing that every single night because once again, I got to have balance, got to be there with my wife. And then also having, I call it us time and us time. Hmm. There's little you, little S, that's us time. That's my wife and I, and uh, we need to do that. At least every other week, where we're we're uh, going uh, to uh, out out to eat, doing something. We did this. Uh, we j- we just did it for the first time. We went to a party since the baby has been born. Yeah. But this is our first us us time where we actually we did bring a car seat, and the, and the baby was sle- uh, asleep. We we planned the it perfectly. Keep the key in the ignition, and it's yeah. No, we knew exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep the kid in the car. No, we knew exactly t- timing it exactly how long we had. Yeah. So baby slept during the whole entire. T- t- during the whole entire thing. And it was, uh, it was nice to have our little us time. Then we have big you little s time and that's where we're going to the beach or we're going to the farmer's market. We're, we're, uh, doing uh, something along those lines. We try to have one-on-one time with the kids and, and, uh, it's all, it's all about, uh, not, not screwing around while you're working. Right. Yeah. There's plenty of th- things that, that can get in our way and what what you really need to do is make sure that you don't let those little things get in the way like following dow jones reading real estate articles <laughs> listening to uh i listen to music all the time and that's that's how i get a lot of uh, uh stuff that, stuff done but i'm not listening to uh words there's not there right. it's just uh, background music and and i flourish under that
0: I think that's, I think you're touching on something that's really important just for work ethic in general, for any sales profession, but especially in real estate where people don't have necessarily that foundation, um, you know, kind of that background of maybe like discipline in a corporate environment or like, you know, someone pounding them to like stick to a certain schedule. And I like, first of all, like if, if people aren't paying attention right now that you've protected a lot of personal space so that when you're in your professional state, your mind is like super focused, you're fresh you've had your chance to get energy recharge and like play that game right you get i presume this helps you avoid burnout oh for sure and then you also talk about how like but when you are in that work mode like it's not screw around time Right. So you've, like, I've talked in, in the past uh, in one of our sales meetings about having different things to recover from distractions. So, like, having music to keep you in your focal point or to mm-hmm. recover from a distraction, um, which leads me to a question. When you do get thrown off your game, which is inevitable, for sure, whether your wife calls or one of your nine kids or, or yes. an agent like uh, myself when I'm not podcasting or whatever, it was, when, you, when you do get thrown off of that game, how do you recover? What do you resort back to?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think the best thing to do is, is at the end of the day, you take a look at what happened to your day. And sometimes your day did not go as planned mm-hmm. or you don't get a lot lot done on your checklist. Uh, when you have one of those days, it, the, the, the great thing about life is you get to go to bed. You get to wake up in the morning the next day, start this whole thing all over again, mm-hmm. and you get another fresh shot at it. So you can't beat yourself up that you didn't make it that day, but uh, yeah, definitely, you brush yourself off and you do everything you can to get back in that wheelhouse and make sure that you're 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 doing it. If there's too many days that are stringing together, well, then it's 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 good to to talk to somebody, have somebody that you're accountable with. I'm kind of accountable to my wife, but I'm also very very uh, self-accountable, and that that's because for a while, if you haven't guessed, I, my wife did not birth all nine of my my children. Uh, I have uh, six kids that I brought all, I had them all the time and my mm-hmm. wife had two. We blended the two families. She adopted my two youngest, I adopted her two youngest. Cool. And uh, we just had one together. And uh, so uh, there was a point where I was raising all six kids by mm-hmm. myself and um, you want to be motivated, uh, have six kids where I had two nickels that I could, uh, scrape together when I, when I started this all out in 2011. So I was pretty much starting all over again Jeez. and, uh, and just built myself up from the, from the ground up. And I learned really quick, uh, that, yeah, you, you can get a lot accomplished if you put your mind to it and, and you work as diligently and as hard as possible. And I'm also not afraid to, I'm a night, night owl. Yeah. Uh, so when I say that I can, after I put down the kids, we've said prayers, I've I've uh, hung out with my wife a little bit, now it's like 9.30, I can plug back in. And I can plug back in for a long time. I Good can go you. from 9.30 to 3 o'clock, 3.30, and that's how I built myself back up. I don't do that as often anymore, but uh, I think I'm going to have one of those nights tonight, and I'll definitely <laughs> have another one of those nights on Thursday. But that's just uh, that's just me, and that's where I get a lot done, because guess how many interruptions come at midnight? None. None. Only the ones that you create. Yeah, exactly. And there are interruptions that you can definitely create on your own, but I get my most work done. Uh, when everybody else is not working.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Gary V. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. If if you don't follow him, check him out on on YouTube or, or uh, Instagram or something. Cool cool guy. But um, a lot of motivational stuff that he says. And he goes, it's not what you do between eight and five. It's what you do between seven and two. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know that burning that night out, that night oil is like unbelievable. It's catch up time. It's get ahead time. Mm-hmm. It's gain your ground. And like if you're carrying that normal job per se, uh, even in real estate, if you're just doing like the normal stuff during the day, then don't expect growth, right? you got to to grow you got to do stuff that promotes growth and you got to burn that that oil a little bit. So, um, well, I want to take a trip back really quick to to 2011 because one of the things that that we kind of dig into on RERA is you know talking to folks from every walk of life and every place of life, not just these mega you know I sell two hundred million dollars worth of houses a year and I make like a bajillion yeah. dollars right. But we talk about not just I don't want to I don't want to be condescending and say the average Joes, but we talk about real life. We talk about real situations, sure. yeah. right? So you've got in 2011 you've got six kids by yourself i imagine that's overwhelming in its own right and you're you're scraping the nickels together like you say like in that you know can you take us back to that moment describe like is it fear is it overwhelming is anxiety and like how do you i i get that you've got your music to focus you now right like or to you've got your you've got your routine and your stuff but in that moment where i don't know you call it desperation or freaking out or whatever like Like, how do you collect yourself and go, okay, like,
1: we're gonna get this shit done and we're gonna get through and we're gonna be okay. Like, how do you do that? Uh, For me, and I've been asked this uh, question before, but for me it was, uh, I've got a few things that that, uh, I have up my sleeve. One of them is running, Mm -hmm. I have a passion for running. And uh, I actually, during uh, during that year, 2011, was training for a, a marathon. So uh, I trained for a marathon and I've run exactly one marathons. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than most, it's more, including yeah. myself done a couple, uh, half marathons. And those are a little more manageable than trying to train with so many children, a, a full marathon, <laughs> you, you're at, you end up being out and about way too, too long, but I, uh, I had my running. That, that that got me through uh quite a bit and and i also had my own faith my faith was was uh, pretty rock solid and here's what 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 i found very interesting going back to that because i had my men's group that i met with every saturday at 7:30. Mm-hmm. i got drug in by a neighbor prior to all the wheels coming off my bus and it was pretty awesome so yeah. uh i i got lucky and call it call it luck i call it uh, uh it was uh you know a, a god incident where somebody pulled me in mm-hmm. and then so so I, uh, th- they were there as a support group as well. And, um, yeah, you know, uh, what what you end up worrying about, because I worried about so much, worried about divorce,
0: mm-hmm.
1: worried about uh, not having enough money. Well, right down the street from where we, where, where we are right now, I was actually at a food bank back in 2011. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, got, you want a humbling experience, go stand in line at a food bank and you have to be there in order to put food on the, on the table. Yeah. So that's where I, I came from. And, but the funniest thing was when I was going through all that, you worry about so much, so much of these kind of big things that are going to happen to you. And you know what, in the midst of it all happening, I felt like it was, I was in the hurricane Yeah. and, but I was in the center of the hurricane where there's calm in the in the middle of the storm interesting and I felt at peace and the peace that I felt was we still had our health right and I'm still breathing and we're managing to scrape together something to put on onto the table so it wasn't nearly as bad as what I originally had anticipated and that taught me a beautiful lesson about worry and stress and and uh you know what i can peel back if i need to my wife said if i work too hard right now for if i'm if she's not seeing enough of me she doesn't need all this she's said that over and over again we don't need all of this right i'd rather be in a cracker box and and have more time with me and and the kids have more time with me so uh, that's put a valuable perspective because she came from a very similar uh, mm-hmm. background not the exact same story but she had a pretty rough story uh, uh, as well and having uh, a single mom with two kids and and putting them both through private school because they were so little yeah and she was able to do it too so uh, that's that's what i took from it i was able to uh, to uh, you know, just find find that that spark from within, and I, I knew that where there's a will, there's a way, and I never looked back. I just hunkered down and just kept on making and improving our lives, making them better and better and better, to the point where you know where where I am today, and I and I attribute that all to that stumbling block of 2011. I like that. I like that, and thank you for sharing that. Um, for for the agents
0: or for anybody in this business or really any any sales profession anybody that's listening at all i suppose but um specific to real estate what can you say to those who are struggling right now like what general advice can you give someone who is feeling overwhelmed who needs to take a minute to collect themselves and to like to stop to breathe to like recalibrate their brain and like focus like what's the first thing that you that you would say those people can do to kind of like you know to get into that calm in the middle of the hurricane like how do you how do you get out of the whirlwind of that right do you have any advice or suggestion or direction to those people who are really in that dark place where do where do you start
1: i start with each day each morning Mm -hmm. same kind it's a very my i've got a very very similar routine where it could be whatever you want it could be motivational pieces that you read the same thing over and over again for me it's prayer that's where I start off my, my day with that, and then I visualize my day and how it's going to go, and and uh, I, I st- stay as true to that as I, as I possibly can during the day. Like I said, sometimes you're we're off course for the day, but yeah. you get a new day, you get a new start of it the next next time. I just want to make as I want to I want to make every moment as valuable as possible and take care of everything that I possibly can uh, every single day. So it's take a breather. If you feel extremely overwhelmed, pull back from it and and have a good meal, have a good night's sleep, and then go at it. Go at it again, and then because of my my background and seeing so much, I've seen so much, and I've seen so many agents get in their own way. Right, and really, it's if you're busy designing the perfect listing presentation and yet you have no presentations or if you have <laughs> they're right. are designing the best business plan i'm not business plan but no, that'd be good but uh, a business card and that business card is going to make you a lot of money it's not right and and you're spending all all of your time on doing uh what i consider uh just paperwork back office sure st- uh, stuff it's just that's 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 the issue everybody's looking for a golden pill can i sign up for this this uh service and then i'll be getting a lot of leads and I'll turn that into money or can i sign up or can i uh uh you know I'll, I'll start farming and they'll start farming for like a month two months and right. say yeah I got nothing from it well of course so it's, it's about
0: being deliberate with the action every day like yeah. having having an intentional plan and you know, I'm glad you bring that up because in one of our sales meetings, we talk about that having, and, and it. I love when these, I love when we, we interview or are rambling and like, you know, it's not just, it's not like I make this, this shit up, you know, like, it's like, it's weird how other people understand how important this is, you know? So the, the trend to success is that, you know, in that dark moment, you just got, you got to breathe for a second, collect yourself. And then I, the thing my wife and I say to each other all the time is, Hey, like I'm a list person, right? I've got my list, all my check boxes, everything that's got to mm-hmm. get done. And she goes, just do, just pick something to do. Just one thing, just mm-hmm. do one thing, right? One thing, one day at a time, like whatever it is, just calm yourself, get to that point and just go, cool, man, like what's next? Mm-hmm. And then just play it out. Yeah, it's a, it is a humbling experience and, mm-hmm. and going through those struggles, but it's also like, I find that it's also a great way to like find your own strength, you know, I don't think we credit ourselves for like how capable we are until we're really in the shit. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, whoa, I can get out of this. Like, yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. That's great. You know? And through consistency, you got to be ex- extremely consistent. Whatever you do, there's it's monotonous until it starts paying off right and and it does the monotony of farming holy smokes the monotony of door knocking or cold calling or calling your sphere of influence every quarter yeah and your past clients or calling uh or uh getting in front of those people that have that have uh referred to you in the past or doing something on facebook it's it's or doing open houses having a great strategy because that's what i'm all about strategies and the mm-hmm. more you, you you figure out what that strategy is and you and, and, and you execute it the same thing over and over and over again. It will pay off but only if you stick to it. Sure. I, th- those people that that, that are uh, try something and then burn they try something else and then they burn if you talk to most people that have, that are successful in the in, in this real estate game, what the, their biggest regret is doing that chain is is chasing the uh the next you know shiny coin right it's like here's this shiny object over here try that try this try that but yet they weren't consistent that's really funny you say that and and it's consistency you stick with something stick with it and if it doesn't pay off after six months to a year well maybe then we can reevaluate. you just might have to tinker with it you might be doing something in maybe not the best way yeah. Like maybe try reinventing the wheel on the side Sure. where you do
0: all the stuff that, you know, works, you know, like, for like sure. for me, for me, it's letters, like letters are a big thing for me. And I'm always happy to jump into the new technology. But one thing that's been consistent for a ver- for my entire life is every day, somebody like takes those envelopes and they deliver them to other people you know, yes. and like, that's just something that happens every day and it does work and people read them and open them and call you and whatever. So I just keep doing that. And then I work on that wheel on the side and, yes. uh, yeah, you can't, you can't, we well, can't put all your eggs in one basket. No. And if that one basket is to like redefine a business that works differently, then
1: I guess you probably wind up in trouble. Yeah. You end up chasing your tail.
0: So you're stuck in real estate. And you got yourself stuck in real estate on purpose, I presume. What <laughs> what in God's great name uh, got you into real estate? And, uh, and why have
1: you stuck with this of all things that you could do? Third generation broker. So uh, my grandfather, my grandparents, uh, grandpa and grandma, both owned their own brokerage in Manhattan Beach. Wow. And, and then my dad had his own brokerage and built an extremely huge uh, company. And that's, I got involved in that. So I started off as an agent, then became a, a broker, helped run the brokerage. I was a successful agent. I I uh, re, uh, gave my book a business because I treated it like a business to my uh, sister and brother-in-law. They paid a referral fee back. And uh, I uh, then got into you know managing and, the, the brokerage, and then that uh, turned sideways during the Great Recession. Then I uh, monetized my housing report and do another gig as well. And, and that's been extremely lucrative for me. And, and so I've diversified this time around, and I really have a passion for real estate. I have a passion for talking about real estate. And I've been seeing it and doing it long enough where my biggest frustration are is the fact that all I we can explain to, to agents exactly what they need to do. Yeah. And then they don't do it, and that's what you know. All these <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I I was I, I started out way back in the day where there was Tommy Hopkins, and then it was Mike Ferry, and then it was you know Brian Buffini, and then it was Tom Ferry, and then there, the the thing the thing that that they uh, they uh, uh, provide is accountability. They'll tell you how to do it, but then they provide accountability because some of us need that accountability, right? And and it's it's a great thing, you. You all, not everybody can have that inner fire where they can be self accountable. There's something to being accountable to, to somebody. And, and, uh, yeah, believe me, I totally understand it myself. Um, I was in great shape until we got pregnant and then it mm-hmm. all went downhill from there. <laughs> but prior to that, let me and tell when the, you when the kids were... one day listen to this, uh, you know, we were, we were eating really healthy, eating right, and all that stuff. And the only reason why I was eating right and doing all the right stuff is because my wife was doing it at the same exact time Mm -hmm. if you ever had a buddy that you joined at the gym you'd go because your buddy's gonna be there right and and there's something about that accountability one thing occurred to me, I got to avoid every supermarket that you shop at,
0: because if we're both going for the mac and cheese, like <laughs> it's not going to be enough for me.
1: <laughs> we, we shop at Costco and Albertsons every oh. week. All right. <laughs> Perfect. And we divide and conquer. You should call Costco and tell them to get you a pallet of whatever. And... Yeah, exactly. I love Exactly. It, I love They're it. used to seeing us.
0: That's great. Um, I, I love the accountability factor and it is a huge thing. And I know that in, in, uh, you know, some of the other stuff that you do aside from housing reports, like you really help agents strategize in their business and help strategically align them with, with growth things that, that you not only hold them accountable to, but also just like help them kind of mastermind and help them kind of get out of their own way, right? Um, and I think that that accountability is extremely important. I would say, in my opinion, that a lot of agents find weakness in having an accountability partner because it's like an ego punch, right? Like, no, I can go about this like by myself, you know? Sure.
1: What do you say to those agents? Uh, it, it, if it's not working for you and you're not getting enough of your list done, probably need somebody to help help hold you accountable. Yeah, and and gotta find got you have to find somebody. And as as much as it's it's it maybe may a, a little bit of a, a head game and it, it's a blow to the ego. Uh, when if they, if somebody's going to help you stay true to your a- a- actionable plan and you start being extremely consistent, like I said true consistency, it will pay off, period. And as long as you're genuine, you are a, a likable person and you are consistent and you uh, you just continue to drive, drive, drive with the help of somebody that's holding you accountable, well then yes, you can go extremely deep. And it's only a, an ego uh, blow for a moment until those commission checks start coming in. Absolutely. And when they start coming in at a much uh, higher feverish pace, well, then you say, "Hey, you know what? I just got the right design. I've got somebody holding me accountable and all that stuff, and that there's nothing better for the ego when you start cashing those uh, absolutely those, those, those paychecks.
0: I remember when I was applying to college um, back when, and i had I had a big issue because one of the guys who coached me in track in high school said he would kind of hook me up and he had an in at USC with the uh, with the track coach because that guy used to coach him at a college that he was at. And long story short, I felt completely defeated because I was like, man, I just, I want to get in on my own, right? Like, I don't want your help, but thank you, right? And he said something that always, that always stuck with me. He came back and he said, you realize that I don't have to do this, right? He goes, I'm doing this because of the relationship you've built with me and because you've cared about you and like so this is you doing it in your own right like (laughs) that's beautiful yeah and i'm like and and something like struck me it gives me the chills even to think about that today because it was so empowering and i realized like how much credit i wasn't taking for what I've built and what I've done. Right. And so as much as we should always remember who has helped support us, it's also okay to pat yourself on the back for a minute and like realize you're not forfeiting by inviting other people into the equation. uh, Like you're making the smart decision and, and like leveraging knowledge of other people and playing that game. You know, it's like, if you're reading a book, you're doing the exact same thing, right? You're trying to tap into knowledge that somebody else has like, so don't be afraid to, you know, don't be afraid to like, take not take credit or take credit or whatever you know like surround yourself with the right people the right books the right materials whatever and just leverage that into whatever it becomes and be proud of that i don't know i think the i think the story is all built around the people we surround ourselves with anyway
1: sure and then the same thing goes for when you you uh you're you're getting you're getting busier and busier and busier and you're growing but now you've plateaued and that's where you can go a little bit deeper sure by hiring somebody and so many people have a hard time hiring somebody why do they have a hard hard time hiring somebody because now they got to delegate and they're not going to do it exactly the way you do it period (laughs) nobody's as good as me (laughs) nobody's as good as me no way and you know what i found uh, the art of delegation. Oh, it is man. such a relief. There are so many people that do so many things way better than me, and, and that's what we we. All, that's the other ego blow. Until sure. you start getting those commission checks, because now you're you're delegating so much more. Now you're able to achieve so much more.
0: Yeah. And that first check comes in when you finally delegated the work. And then you sit back for a second and you're like, oh, man, I totally should have done this sooner. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I've I have lost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so know? those are
1: typically the regrets that you don't get out of your own way and you're shining, you're following that little shiny sure. new object at the very beginning. And then I didn't hire soon enough. I had a problem delegating.
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I recently heard uh, in the last couple of months, someone say, you know, you gotta give your best stuff away for free. And if anyone hasn't caught on yet, uh, we're kind of doing that here. So hello. Um, but it's funny because I, I reflected back to, uh, like a little free seminar or something they had at one of the local hotels here. And they had this guy who does websites and all kinds of other stuff. He's like a, you know, digital marketing expert and all that, you know, has great credentials and whatever, good guy. And it was free. And, like, there's no way this guy didn't spend thousands and thousands of dollars running out this space and all that. And his his big, like, pitch was, of course, he wants you to hire him to do all the website stuff and all that other work, Mm -hmm. right? But it gave you, like, three hours of content for free. And what's funny is I was like, you know what? All right, I'll bite. Like, I'll hire you for a few months and just kind of see. And the reality is, is... They did everything that they told me how to do. They just made it easier by me just giving them the money, and then they did it. Yeah. So sometimes that's, like, merited, and you should totally do it. But what he said from stage, and this resonated with me, he goes, Oh, I'm happy to sit up here and tell you how to do all this. He goes, It's totally fine. He goes, I'll sit in a room of 10,000 people and tell all of you how to do it. He goes, Nobody's going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's so funny to me because everyone's like, you know, they say you got to pay to pay attention. You got to pay to play, sure. like, right. And unless there's like a financial exchange, you're not getting it. So when I finally gave the guy like my money and had him do the work, I was like, oh, this is all the stuff you told me how to do. Sure. He's like, well, yeah, I told you I was giving you all the info oh well that was an expensive lesson <laughs> dang it you know so people aren't people a lot of times like you said they're looking for that magic ticket that that golden ticket the whatever you want to call it and
1: it's like it's kind of right there in front of you yeah it's like it might be inside of you you just yeah. have to
0: go use it and tap yeah. into
1: it well if and and on a similar vein uh when you have your own goals you got your goals are, are your goals posted can you see them do you That's know what they look, look like? like there are so many people that it, it, corporations. I, I've, I've put together. I I've put together a five-year business plan through some leadership conference that I did, and this thing was a three-ring binder and had like three hundred pages. Um, I'm going to first say simplify your, your goals <laughs> shouldn't be in a three, day, three ring binder or you should be able to simplify it to a point where you can post it and you look at it every single day yeah. and you strive to, to hit it and you do everything in your power to do it I think from Tom Ferry I learned uh, it was the do, doing and done and there, you list everything you want to do and then what you're doing you're only focusing on two things at a time because our, our little brains can't handle more than you can pretend that you can handle uh uh gigantic projects five six projects but two at a time and then guess what when you pick apart two at a time then they get done and and uh it's it's like trying to eat that elephant how do you do that one, bite at, one bite at a time. One bite at a time. One bite at a time. It's how you get through the list, one thing at a time. It's how you get through your time exactly.
0: blocks, one block at a time. Everything comes down to just doing that one thing at a time, right? Yeah, and getting sure. it done. I love that actually, and posting your goals is super important. My little secret to recall that uh, very, very, very first sales meeting way back, like a whole month ago, yeah. um, <laughs> when we started this crazy journey, um, I set three goals. And, and those three goals are in my brain all the time, and I know what it takes to achieve them. And it's not, it's not 48 pages worth worth of garbage it's like all right like I know what those three support these three goals support so if I achieve these goals then all the other stuff in my life happens with them right Mm -hmm. so I've got my my need my want and my dream right and Mm -hmm. you never get complacent with that but Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes I literally saw someone on Facebook probably I don't, it, was, it must have been right after the New Year, the whole New Year's resolutions and stuff like that. And this agent sent out a list, and he goes, "Hey, just you know, I wanted to let everybody know I, I've done my goal setting for the year, and if you're interested in the the practice I go through every year, I'd be more than happy to share my goal setting thing with you." And he sent out the worksheet, and it was like 37 pages long, and I'm <laughs> I am not exaggerating; it was 37 pages long. And I'm just, I'm looking through this, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is unbelievable!" I'm like, I. Good for you but like I'd do this once a decade and then simplify on yeah. like a more regular
1: basis
0: <laughs> it seems like yeah. a lot of
1: work yeah I uh, the best uh, best business plan I think I ever saw was uh, it was on 11 by 17 sheet and it had your yearly goals and then it broke it down to what your quarterly go- goals are and then what you're gonna do to to uh, achieve it and then you revisit every quarter that's probably the best one that I ever saw
0: Have you ever seen the um, the Walt Disney? I forget what they call it. Um, Let me see if I can find it really quick. Walt Disney. uh, It's like a vision. What do you call it? I'm trying to think here. Hang on. Let's see what he calls it here. Some kind of a vision poster or some sort of a. I'll pull it up for you so you can have a look at it. It's kind of interesting. So he like this was this is kind of hard to see him. Forgive me for it. But basically what he does is he puts his, you know, if you. I'll I'll share this on the website so you guys can all see it in the show notes and everything but he has like all this is like his whole business plan like everything that he does points to all of these different things and it's literally like on one piece of paper you know so it's like okay it's It's creative yeah
1: it's he's got uh you know little uh, disney characters all over it too yeah yeah strange how
0: that works right but it says (laughs) you know the in the very middle of the page creative talent of studio theatrical films and then you've got merchandising and licensing and disneyland and comic strips and walt disney magazine and publications and music and tv and they're all offshoots and they all point to different things within that but he knows that all of those things support and help one Mm. another so from a from a bird's eye view like he knows exactly where his focuses are and he's got his deep dive i suppose in his brain or at least he used to yeah but uh but yeah sometimes sometimes uh not over complicating it as complicated as this looks actually i suppose uh yeah but you know what he
1: he's got it memorized and i think that's his forever business plan
0: yeah, he's got a clear vision of what that looks like. Exactly. So I'll, I'll share this just for fun. Um, I know a couple people that actually have this up on their wall as inspiration for their own business, um, but I'll put this in the show notes, guys, so you can check it out. But yeah, having those goals, having a clear vision of what that looks like, I think is super important. And uh, yeah, you're spot on. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, uh, you know, your, your housing report, your experience in economics and kind of evaluating those, those trends. And I'm gonna take this, I don't know, maybe not the most unique direction in the world, but maybe a little different angle here. So as opposed to just sitting here and dissecting a local market, agents oftentimes don't take the time to understand a local market. And gosh, I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because it's not their forte or they don't understand how to analyze it, but you provide a great report. I've read it, I'm a subscriber myself, and it gives all the knowledge and information that you ultimately need to get a snapshot, the market snapshot, mm-hmm. right? What, what do agents really need to be focusing on? What are like the most important keys to any market analysis in any part of the country what are like the biggest things people need to be looking for whether they're you know analyzing the data on the mls and all that stuff like what are the what are the like two two or three key takeaways when looking at a market that's important
1: yeah it's it's uh i I come at it from from a point of view that i was an agent so Mm -hmm. i i did uh weekly reports that turned into every other week reports which is why my housing report is every other week Mm -hmm. and and really it's it's diving down into the details so when i had a seller i would i would uh get feedback from agents as best as I possibly could. We all know how difficult and challenging that, 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 that can be. Absolutely. So I did everything I could to try to trick everybody into uh, responding to my r- request for feedback, and I did it through cartoon car- car- cartoons uh, cartoons and different things like that. I was very sure. creative, as creative as I possibly could, and I'd fax it back in the day, because I'm old school, 1991. So <laughs> I, you'd have to fax, and we didn't have text, we didn't have all that good stuff, but now it's getting easier and easier, But people people don't respond as much. So you just have to be consistent until you're that squeaky wheel. Sure, You get the feedback. I think feedback is, is extremely important to know overall direction. And then from that report, I did the feedback and I did the pl- anything that I saw changing in the marketplace. And then I did my own mini market report. And my market report mm-hmm. is how I developed the housing report. Because in that, I would look at the number of active listings that are that I'm competing against in my price range. Okay. And what does the what is the escrow activity look like within the last 30 days? And the reason I started doing that is because I had sellers that were complaining. Sure. They were complaining. They were saying, uh, how come I haven't had anything? How come I haven't had any offers within the last month? And, and I, I remember specifically, I had a high range property back in the day. One million dollars was high range, but I understand right now that that's uh, getting to be the median sales price here in Orange County real quick. <laughs> but. Uh, but when I had that a $1 million uh, listing and I had uh, the seller asking me where are my offers, where are my offers, I took a look at w- how many homes there were on the market. And within their price range, I remember specifically there were 29 homes on the market within the la- that were on the market active. And within the last 30 days, only one home went into escrow. Wow. So how I was able to explain it is given the last month's worth of activity, mm-hmm. there was one sell. And there's 29 on the market based upon the last month's of activity that would... To exhaust all 29 homes, it would t- it would take 29 months to right. exhaust that that inventory, and that is how I explain the market. So, uh, if there were a uh, hundred homes on the market, and there was 10 that went into escrow within the last 30 days, that would be 10 months to exhaust the current. So that's how I developed it. But to know your inventory and to know what's going on with pending sell activity, pending sell activity, I think, is the most neglected uh, statistic because I want to know what's the what's the velocity of the market right now today. That's pending activity. It's definitely not closed sales, and yet everybody hangs their hat on what's, what's the closed sales look like. So closed sales yeah. is, a, is a snapshot, if there were this many homes that sold last month, that's not necessarily how many homes are gonna sell next month, that's a snapshot of 60 days ago. Two So months. what we're talking about now is absorption rate. Yeah, absorption so, rate, which I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. And <laughs> talking about today. Right. So what would you call
0: taking, you know, taking a poll of your active sale activity? What is, it's not absorption rate, it's what?
1: I call it expected market time. And that's expected market time based upon today's velocity. And that of course can change, but that's why we snap it. Snap it every two weeks take a look at what's the velocity right now, we might have had a slow last couple of weeks, that velocity is going to change based upon how the market's changing. So that's why I'm able to see trends prior to anybody else, because they're, everybody else is still waiting for that closed sale activity. Right. Right. And most of that stuff doesn't come out for the prior month till the end of the next month and that prior month, like right now, what are we in? We're in uh, almost June. So we'll get now, right now we should be getting April's closing activity. April's closing activity. Holy cow! When when did they when did they place that stuff into escrow? Right, March. Right. Yeah, everything is February lagging. Thirty to sixty days <laughs> behind. Right. February, March. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm not that interested in what was going on in February, March. I'm more interested in what's going on May. Right. That's it. And that's that's I think it's neglected. It's not talked about enough, which is why there's there's a lot of interest in my housing report, because do you of, think that, of the, that
0: that the term absorption rate has almost been incorrectly defined?
1: Yeah, I do, because it doesn't they try to take into seasonality. Right. And it really it, it can't because right. it doesn't it, there's a, there's a lag to it. So there is a bit of seasonality for closed cells but i'm not like i said earlier i really don't care that much about clothes sales. i mean i provide it sure as part of my my overall package but that's not i when I talk about the market, I'm not talking about closed sales, that's for darn sure. Right. I'm talking about what's our listing inventory look like right now? How quickly has it been growing or shrinking? And what's our demand look like? What's it look like compared to last year? So when you look at the active inventory, you're looking at active inventory versus how many go
0: into escrow. Yeah,
1: and but, I call that demand. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and there's not that many people that call anything demand for, for housing supply, but I like to refer to things as supply and demand. Sure. Let's take a look at supply and demand. Isn't that what we were taught in econ one oh one? Right. So that's what I talk about. What demand's definitely not close sales. That's prior demand. Right. <laughs> right. Uninterested.
0: Now I guys, if you're when when you're listening to this, I, I want you to I mean literally like hit that button and then, you know, go the go back fifteen seconds like ten times yeah. and listen to this part again. <laughs> because everything that Steven's talking about here is, is super incredible. I think that I think you may have already answered this, but just to, just to ask the question. So it sounds to me like people don't pay enough attention to the pending sales, the active to pending, they focus too much on the closed transactions. Is that the info or is there any other info that you think agents give too much credit to when analyzing a market?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. That's a great question. Closed sale is still important because it's going to establish closed value. So that's still a very, very important sure. I, but it's not as far as telling me what the velocity of the market, what's going on in the marketplace right now, that's where closed activity, the expectations that sellers should have in their living rooms or family rooms or kitchen table, when you're sitting with them as to how quickly their home is going to sell should be not taken into consideration, closed sales, but now arriving at value. Yes, you need to, but you also need to take into consideration pendings and backups as far as coming up with a value, what you need to be ignoring a little more of and what what homeowners have a real issue with is putting too much merit in active listings Mm, oh boy active listings you can have four listings on a block they can all be overpriced and they could just sit there so what but you here's what happens to the general public they'll pull all four of those flyers from the flyer box and they're, they're interested in selling four months down the road they they uh sell thinking they know what the market value is and yet All four of those listings were reduced in order to find success but they think the marketplace is what they saw in those active listing prices and now they're fooled what do you think about the statistic
0: i used to look at on closed sales what was the average percentage
1: reduction in the listing time before they ended up selling yeah i find that all that interesting right now an interesting stat that i've seen is 11 percent of the active inventory is uh, let's, call, what do they call it now, price improvement? Improving their price <laughs> every depending, week. depending on who you ask, I suppose, A right? price reduction <laughs> every week, the active inventory, 11% is reducing. reducing the price. That's incredible. What's that tell you about everybody's the seller's expectations of this marketplace? Yeah, and
0: and you know what I think uh, I always I always have a in, in an inappropriate saying I always say that numbers is like porn to a sales rep and uh, I could sit here and just analyze the numbers all day it's not gonna make me a whole lot of money but it sure is fun to, to work with and I would encourage folks and you probably know this as well um, with your background here there's so much information in the MLS and sure. I, I don't sure. wanna I don't wanna take away, I don't think everyone's uh-huh. gonna cancel their subscriptions to you because of this comment. <laughs> um, but you know, guys so, are yeah, there's so much information available in the MLS and some of it's easily found by looking at like the stats tab or whatever, you know, they provide in your local MLS. Some of it's just by Doing a little bit of your own hacking and kind of figure out like what's there and what's not, and figuring out the metrics that work for you. I mean, are you and think about what you're putting so much weight on when you go to a listing appointment? Are you are you talking more about price per square foot and what happened a year ago and what happened during the crash and like all that stuff, or are you adding like now value because now value is super super key? So, uh, like I said before, go back and listen to this part again because Steven's talking about some stuff that's amazing and it's not rocket science stuff uh, but it's not it, it's so commonly overlooked we're so quick to be like oh well I think you should put a fake plant in the corner and then like move the couch over here but nobody really understands how to crunch the numbers and you don't have to be great at math but you've got to. if you suck at math I guess you got to at least know where to get the information from right sure. yeah. but you've got to understand when you're pitching your game because the numbers the numbers are so misunderstood by so many agents mm-hmm. um, for agents that don't have, you know, the the hybrid version of you in another location, where where should people be turning to, to get that? type
1: of info uh, it, th- that's it's the mls th- that's them, themselves and mm-hmm. the mls because that that's been the real problem i've been asked over and over again sure when you come into my market well <laughs> we're moving from orange county to to socal and uh we want to get to that by the end of end of this year yeah but that's still not i i've had people from across the united states ask ask about it and they're really and people ask me is there another uh report that's similar to it and Quite honest, I have to say no. Yeah, I haven't seen one myself. (laughs) There just, there isn't. So there, I, I, uh, just tell them to stay tuned if it's a market that's close by if not then you just need to you need to be commander of your own MLS and you need to do what I did when I was a, uh, an agent and Boom. crunch your own numbers Yeah, figure out time. your own little marketplace what, what does it look like for for that price range of property and then you're properly setting the expectations there's two things that I wanted to say that you definitely want to ignore and that's days on market mm. We we quote way too often average days on market and things like that boy I'm telling you I'm not a fan of days on market. Days on market during right now will show low because so many homes are coming on the market. Yet the expected market time might be a lot larger than what the days on market uh, currently is and that's just because more homes are coming on the market. If more and more homes are coming on the market, it's going to skew the days on market down. So I'm not a big fan of days on market and I'm definitely not a big fan of price per square foot. Uh, I for know a million reasons. I did a whole report that I just devoted to why I don't like price per square foot. And that's because I wasn't seeing like right now, we're seeing a lot of changing in the marketplace. But there was a point, uh, I believe it was last year, where there was just nothing going on. So I talked about price per square foot just for the fun of it.
0: Now, I don't want to hold you accountable to having to go to all 50 states and and, uh, create your report. (laughs) But for the sake of argument, you know I'm licensed to sell in the entire state of California but I get heavily criticized if I go outside of this little tiny for bubble sure. of Orange County, or the, you know, oh, well, you're an Orange County agent, get the hell out of Inland Empire, or LA, mm-hmm. or San Diego, or whatever, right? And we have to make decisions based on what's worth our time and effort and all that stuff. Maybe it's better to refer out, but there's there's times where I've had investor clients that wanna go up to Santa Rosa, and I'll hop on a plane for a day, and we'll lock a deal up and call it, right? And people go, you're really doing a disservice to your client. Now, you can throw me under the bus, it's totally fine, I'm not mm-hmm. asking for you to love me or hate me during this moment, But my question to you, uh, prefaced with this comment, I personally find it extremely empowering when you understand how to crunch numbers and you understand the figures that are important to analyze because I think it empowers you to step into markets that may not be your quote unquote niche because it's not like, this is a game of analytics. It's a game of, you know, I'd like to think that I could analyze and assess any market if I'm given access to the MLS and you know, turn rates and stuff like that. And just kind of get get ideas of where, where things are selling, what that pending inventory looks like, all that stuff, right? And I can kind of give myself a snapshot and advise based on that. Oh, for sure. Do you think that there's merit to that? Or do you think people should just stick to their local market and call it a day?
1: Yeah. I had no problem, uh, analyzing property anywhere in the United States. The only thing mm-hmm. that I, where I would hedge that see for me, statistics wise, I personally can take a look at st- statistics and drive through the numbers and tell you exactly what's going on in the market yep. based upon statistics anywhere. You get me, you get me the right feed. I'll be able to tell you what's going on in your marketplace. Sure. Just from knowing the, the data and what the numbers are supposed to look like when you got a hot versus a cold market. But, uh, as far as being able locally, you're able to totally tap into the the local market and analyze what the what the uh what the what's the value of a home is based upon comparable data Mm -hmm. and knowing knowing the product that's there the big argument is is whether or not you're able to see if there's not enough homes within a within a certain area what is the difference between this block and that block there could be a difference we can go uh san francisco you, you the, 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 if you're on one side of the hill, there might be a difference than on w- another side of the hill.
0: So some of the local nuances become really important.
1: Exactly. And that's where you
0: either invite another agent into the deal, you refer it out, you know, if you're getting outside right. of your wheelhouse, right? But again, going back to, uh, you know, if you tap into one of those local markets, one side of the hill and the other side of the hill, you're probably gonna have access to those numbers. And if you analyze it and go, whoa, something weird's happening, then you can go, this might be out of my wheelhouse. There's something here going on that probably is yes. is local that mm-hmm. I don't know, and that's when you call in the help.
1: But I did that recently yeah. with the San Francisco property. Did you really? So I brought it up as, as somebody was somebody was taking a look at value, and then I saw nuances that were telling me you actually need to be. Have somebody there that's that's got boots in the trenches to help you interpret what's going on.
0: Makes total sense. Um, did you, on a total tangent, while we're talking about San Francisco, <laughs> do, have you heard about that lawsuit um, that the guy's in for buying the private street? Oh yes, yes. What 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 do you what do you <laughs> where, if, if where you don't know he bought his
1: private street and now he's he's charging them to use their street.
0: Yeah, something like that. Like it because like there, I think they There was this
1: there there was this couple that bought the street yeah. and and uh then all of a sudden he was able to start billing people to utilize the but
0: street. But he was so here's what happened. I think the summary is that he the there's a private street that ended up coming up for sale at an auction and the guy bought it, let's say for like a hundred or 200 grand, like something stupid cheap. Right. 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 But it's a private street where there's like multi million dollar houses that sit on it. And so he can charge for the use of it. But the reason it came up is because apparently the, I think it was something like 26 bucks a year in taxes hadn't been paid paid by the association for like 30 years. And so the whole, the whole thing revolves around this idea that like is the punishment, you know equitable to the crime yeah. but i'm kind of sitting there going i, I don't know, know man i would have <laughs> bought it like,
1: <laughs> yeah I although it that you need to have nice deep pockets because it, it looked like that that can be hung those... up in court yeah it can be hung up in court for a while so i don't know how how uh, i guess I have, that's
0: the true yeah, price habitation. right like, yes exactly
1: you gotta you gotta factor that into the
0: <laughs> yeah what'd you get that for ah, like 80 million dollars <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly but i don't know maybe he's charging enough money to the people who park on the street to uh, cover the attorney's fees who the heck knows yeah that's kind of funny yeah, it is funny. um what uh you know you get interviewed a lot you are you are uh a master of of being in the public eye in my opinion and i'm curious to you is there any question that you ever that you just feel like gosh i just wish somebody would tap into this piece of my brain because this is the question i've always wanted to answer that nobody ever asks me and you get robbed of that opportunity is there any uh any special insight that you're you're just excited to... no
1: it was more it, you're you're doing it more than anybody else has it's, well, thank it's you. what's what's the rationale between the report what yeah. why am i following pendings and uh, activity and active inventory, not closed sales. Mm-hmm. It's those nuances that never people don't they take for granted that this is my report, and they ask a lot of questions about what's going on in the marketplace, but they don't. But they don't understand why I I research uh, demand sure. versus closed sale data. Cl- there's a, there is a big difference. There is an absolute logical reason why I do it, and it's been it's enabled me to get a snapshot as to what's going on to the market today versus what I've said over and over again, the rear view mirror. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to give something that, that we can sit down with the buyer, seller, agents, whatever, and you you are able to set expectations for what the market is today. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And and this this interview, guys, is just such a
0: such a reflection on the importance of understanding your numbers, understanding your market. This is why re-raw exists to help you understand the importance of taking your business seriously like a business because in a million dollar transaction there's so much financial exchange that takes place. You know, you've got a million for the buyer, a million for the seller, closing costs, like all these different fees and 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 you know, commissions and everything that comes involved in that. I mean, you're talking about over you know two million dollars worth of trade at the end of the day, right? And and people who don't respect that, agents who don't respect that, whether you're a title rep, an escrow officer, a a, a handyman, a home inspector, like. This is serious shit. And if you are going into a listing appointment and you don't understand the value of the words that you're speaking, then you're really screwing the client. And your poor client, is not the expert they don't have they have access to a lot of information but it's your job to help them understand whether or not the information they've been looking at is real or actually valuable and why or why not it's Mm. your opportunity in that listing appointment so you know it's not about the it's not about understanding just how to value the home but understanding nobody has that crystal ball but like being as close to having the crystal ball as you can right you've Mm -hmm. got to know the importance of a pending of a pending uh sale
1: data is power yeah and and if you're brand new in the in in the business know as much data as you possibly can and it's empowering yeah when you know the data you know the market you're going to beat some agents that are seasoned that don't necessarily know it other than what they what they're experiencing in the marketplace right now but it's not backed up by numbers
0: and and I would argue uh contrary to what many believe, I would argue that being educated in the data is so rare today mm-hmm. that it, it actually
1: is a unique differentiator. Oh, for sure. I've had people that have that have actually subscribed to my report and then have after a month said, I don't see any value in it at all. I just don't <laughs> know how to use it don't know how to use it right i was so shocked when i've heard that a couple times two two to be exact yes and and when they contact when they contacted me and they said i just don't know how to use it i'm just sitting there thinking to myself just read it
0: well, there's another opportunity to charge people, and uh, maybe we'll, I'll I'll co-op with you, and we'll make like a uh, a utility video that teaches people how to actually understand your report. Uh, because uh, it, for those of you who aren't subscribers or who haven't seen it, it's uh, it's actually a it's a delightful read because you have definitely some of your personality in right. the report itself, but then the 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 stats and the data is like. I mean, that, it's not like yeah. you're making this shit up, like it is what it is, you know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, yeah. I, so I, didn't, I talk about it and you look at a chart and you go, oh, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, pretty much, right?
0: <laughs> but it's funny because you could talk about it for free or you could sell it, but people yeah. will still buy it, right? You give for your best sure. stuff for free, right? Yeah. Um, so... I want to ask you, as we, we start getting towards the latter part of our interview here, I wanted to ask you just a couple more things. So I know we've, I think we've touched a little bit on this, you know, some of the mistakes that agents made, not not valuing certain data points and not being consistent. What are some of the, is there any other mistake that you think is just detrimental to an agent? What is a common mistake that agents make that you see in in all of the strategy sessions that you sit with agents on? What is a common mistake that you see out there right now?
1: Uh, my Personally, mm-hmm. I'm all about. Uh, I, I think that you need to come up with systems. Systems, and, okay. And, and for me, it's whatever you're doing, there's a system to it. Whether it be an open house, whether it be expires, whether it be door knocking, there's different systems. What do you do? Even if it, let, let, let's say it, it is door knocking and all you do is you, you, you door knock. Well, there, be, there, there better be a, a system for selecting where you're door knocking, there be, better be a system for follow up. And, and uh, what's that look like? Is it just you're knocking and where are you putting those leads? What are you doing with them? And uh, I, I just know so that follow there's follow-up. Yeah, it's follow-up. There's so many missed opportunities. There's, uh, I, I was at an Inman uh, Connect conference in, in the Bay Area uh, a year and a half ago. And there was two ladies on stage and they're kind of having not a, a, a disagreement, but it was how much how many touches does it take to turn a lead into an actual uh, deal? Mm-hmm. And one was saying 16. The other one was saying 17. And I thought the there was, uh, you know, they were arguing about semantics there. The bottom line is Takes a lot of touches.
0: Yeah, if uh, (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with um, ClickFunnels, but you know Russell Brunson is a freaking genius. And if you're not following him, I highly recommend you look him up as well. I'll put a link to his stuff on the on the show notes. But you know he specifically says he goes, look, most of our sales, most of our money doesn't come from our website. It doesn't come from people going to ClickFunnels. It comes from all the follow up stuff that we do. Mm -hmm. It comes from having a system in place where it's like if this, then that but if this then that instead you know like they their follow-up is unbelievable but how many touches it takes like i literally had an agent who is not on my team any longer and uh you know god bless the guy no no bad blood at all so please don't take this comment that way but you know he was questioning the validity of some of the leads that i was giving because he goes dude now these people are answering And like 45 days later, he was off the team and 60 days later, I hit him up or 15 days after that. So 60 days after I had given him a bunch of these leads, I think it was 77 leads to be exact. We had lost $3 million worth of active sale and purchase opportunities that came from that list to other agents. And, you know, there's a little word exchange that was kind of like, you know, Hey, you know, the leads that you said were garbage. Well, look at what came from them, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but you know, that's $75,000 worth of lost opportunity there, uh, based on what we would have gotten out of it, based on, you know, the, what the closed deals were, were paying. And it's just, it's all in the follow-up. It was yeah. like, well, they didn't answer the first time. And then I also sent them a text message and they just avoided that. It's like, all right, man, well, send them a, like a rocket ship. I don't know what to tell you. Like do something, but do follow
1: up, man. Like it's all about that. And there's, a, sure. si- there's a system to that. There's a system to everything. If you look at treating everything like that and you just keep on doing it over and over again, there's a system to sphere of influence past clients. That's what I hit probably the most when I was doing it. I was able to take my book of business. Yeah. It's like I could have sold it, but I. It's my sister and brother in law. I did it for referral feedback. I was in there for a while. Now, now they they are making hand over fist in, in and 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 the checks. systems.
0: To clarify, the systems don't necessarily mean automating yourself out of the business, right? No. Like it means that you know a lot of like. We we had a sales meeting about that. Don't automate yourself out of the business. And it's the system can involve manual and personal touch. Sure. It just means that you have like a like establish a routine. Have a sure. you know like the, okay now I've got this name. This is what happens now. Like they're gonna get the following fifteen like you know automated emails. But I'm also gonna invite them to lunch. Write them a card. Send a you know you're great yeah. with uh, you use send out cards. I believe. Yeah. Um, and that's I I mean. I I don't think, I don't think you've ever missed something for me, like whether it's a, whether it's a sale that I screwed you on and gave to someone else, or if it's a, you know, or like, a, you know, whatever my, you know, my kid at a soccer game where, I mean, you, you've got stuff that just goes out and it's still your personal touch because you personalize it, but it's, it's more efficient and it's just something that you've plugged into that like works for you Yeah, and you can make your own system unique and add your own value, but not like cut your personal side, the human side out of the equation. It's yes, powerful.
1: It's touch it, it, with my sphere of influence. It was it was personal touches with the people that were referring me business. As far as face to face, it was its calls, uh, quarterly calls. It was uh, uh, Facebook. Yeah. I didn't have the luxury of Facebook. If I had the luxury of Facebook back then, what you what everybody has today, it is something that makes you three-dimensional where people like you and want to work with you. I definitely Mm -hmm. uh, would highly, I would highly recommend leveraging Facebook. And then it's uh, mail and then lastly it's emails. All of that is different marketing, and what does yeah. it look like? How often is it? Is it? And if you have a lead follow up, what's the, what are the different buckets look like? Is it three emails, then a visit, and then a uh, three more emails, and then a note card? I don't know what it is, but figure it out. Yeah, it better be sixteen or seventeen at least. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, or right? Maybe 16 and a half, somewhere yeah, exactly. in there, like almost push send. <laughs>
0: um, what What would you say is the worst advice? that agents are given right now that they're following that they should steer away from what what is the worst I, advice that people are giving
1: I don't think it's the worst advice but I, I think it needs to be there needs to be a, a little a- asterisk and it needs okay. to be defined and that is farming I am I, one of my personal pet peeves is the fact that so many uh, so much of the leadership pushes everybody towards uh, farming. And the expectations are through the roof for these people that are brand new in the business or anybody that's sure. trying to farm. And here, here's how I, the analogy is this. When you farm, you first have to start till you get the, the soil ready. That's you selecting the right farm and all that. And then you plant the seed. You're starting your farming. Do you, if, if you planted an orange tree, do you get oranges in, in a month, two months? That. I mean, I would expect to as an agent, of course. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You got to water. It. Maybe gotta... my children, my my younger <laughs> yeah. ones. We planted that watermelon, and, right. and And where is the watermelon? Well, we'll get a watermelon next summer, right? And we were we were lucky because we only had this window to plant it this summer. And yet we'll get it next summer. And that's kind of the way we have to do it. We're uh, look at it as farming. We're gonna be, we're, we're planting, sowing, doing all the th- necessary things where you've got a, a, a whole lineage of things that you're doing as far as marketing for farming is concerned. First, you need to make sure you have the right turnover rate. Then you have to make sure that you're not uh, going up against any agent. For all those people that that are selecting farms where they're, they're, there's already somebody dominating in there and they say, yeah, well, there is a man in there so, and then need, they need a woman or vice versa. Don't find exception use there are plenty of farms out there where there's mm-hmm. nobody that dominates find that and then execute a business uh, a, a marketing plan for a year yeah and then you have to stay true to it for a year yeah you, you you'll get a couple phone calls during that year That's so be
0: it so be cautious <laughs> in, in in short be cautious of the now mindset you for know? sure yeah and and i think this is such gold you guys i mean we're we're talking about you know getting caught up in like what what pays the bank today and that that's a risky game to play you know and and you want to talk about adding this to steven's previous comments on the importance of that follow up and having your systems in place right like if if you are in the now mindset and you get that name from an open house or somebody calls you and they're like ah it's like you know maybe 6 months to a year out and you just kind of politely push them aside while well, you focus on everybody else that wants to do it now well, guess what? In six months, you're not going to have a pipeline and you're going to be looking for more now business. Whereas you, you do your now business well, you kind of manage a little bit of the nurturing and the follow-up on the mm-hmm. long-term stuff. And then that's why they call it a pipeline. It's just, it, it, you know, it constantly feeds you and you just have it in the long-term. Right. So you, you actually want to have clients to tell you, oh, we're thinking in like the next two to three years of making a move when our, when little Johnny graduates, you know, uh, you're ways away from that, but the point is, is like you've got that that long term play too, just as much as you've got the guys who are going, hey, we got to buy something in like three weeks or we're screwed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got to water that field. Oh, for sure! I love it, man. Well, I think uh, I think we've taken more than enough of your time, and I'm probably gonna I'm gonna I don't know buy you a drink and beg you to come back in and give you another mini vacation uh, in the near future because I think uh, it would. This is a, more of an interview format, but I would love for you to uh, maybe ramble with us one day if I can put you on the spot. Um, but do you have any final thoughts? Any closing, uh, parting words of advice, and then maybe uh, tell our our listeners how they can get in touch with you if they. Uh, Want to bother you?
1: Yeah. At, at the end of the day, it's just get out of your own way. That's I it. I love it. It's just get out get out of your own way, and then uh, it, it just con- consistency. Just keep on at the grindstone. There's nothing that's going to pay off more than consistency. So uh, just have at it, and just stay true to the course as long as you possibly can. And as far as getting in, in touch with me, um, I'm you can all my information's at reportsonhousing.com. You can go to Facebook and it's at Reports on Housing, and uh, you, all all of my infos there. And I'd be awesome. Uh- more than happy to, uh, entertain any questions that people have by cool. uh, contacting me.
0: I'll slam it all on the, uh, the show notes along sure. with your personal address and, uh, and cell phone <laughs> number. No. <laughs> um, so listen, I really appreciate you being on the show folks, um, out there in the real world, the real estate business. Thank you guys for tuning in, for caring enough about yourself, your business, your personal growth, your professional growth and development. So you can be the best version of you. You've got to remember something when you're out there tackling your week, engaging with your clients, working on your follow-up and your prospects, whether it's the best deal you've ever closed or your darkest moment in the business, real agents work, you've got to be one of them. You've got to just get out there, kick ass, take names and make it happen. And as Steven says, get out of your own way. And when you can manage to do that, when you have your systems in place, when you have that consistency, when you know how to regain your focus and you start holding yourself accountable, you're going to see some amazing things happen. So plant that seed, water it for a long time and uh, watch that business grow. Thanks for being here, Steven. And, uh, ah, my pleasure. Awesome, man. We'll catch you guys at the, uh, the Ramble session. Look out Friday. Today's episode is sponsored by Lead Pages, an easy drag-and-drop model to create unlimited mini-sites or landing pages for just about anything, including social media campaigns or single-property sites. Stop wasting time on clunky websites and try Lead Pages today. For a 14-day free trial, you can visit reraw.com forward slash leadpages. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash leadpages.